and we're live. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Jessel Podcast. I'm Ernie Raposa, your host, and we have a great panel here today to talk about imposter syndrome. Uh, before we get into the topic of today, we're going to introduce our panel, uh, starting with Dan D'Almeida. Dan is a technologist and product leader in the scientific software industry. He's also the founder of Jussel and hails from Massachusetts. Welcome, Dan. Thanks. Allie Glazer is an executive performance coach and leadership development specialist focused on one-on-one -on -one coaching and team training. She is based in New Jersey. Thank you for joining us from beautiful New Jersey. Elise Greenberg is a leadership and career transition coach focused on strengths-based coaching, and Elise is coming to us from Boston. Hi, Elise. And Ted Turk is a business coach and strategist. He specializes in helping small business owners uncover hidden profits and reconnect to the why they started their business. And Ted is joining us from Atlanta or Hotlanta, depending on your experience <laughs> with Atlanta. Uh, welcome, Ted. And uh, uh, last but not least, Jim Willenbring is a strategy and business consultant and leadership coach focused on healthcare, data analytics, leadership development, and life career coaching. And Jim is based out of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Welcome, Jim. Hi, everybody. All right, let's get into this. So uh, today we're talking about imposter syndrome, and, uh, and we hear about a lot of that in the news um, around how people wrestle with... Uh, uh, this preventing them from fully achieving what they're setting out to do. And it's kind of a saboteur as, as we as coaches have, mm -hmm. have dug into this with our clients. Um, who, can, who can define this a little bit more either clinically or, or uh, what the textbook definition is of imposter syndrome? Well, I'll jump in and just say, yeah. I think it's in, in short, I think it's a crisis of confidence. That's how yeah. I view it. There are, yeah textbook definitions there are um there are lots of hundreds and thousands of google articles on the topic um but it's a crisis of confidence really and and it's it's titled in a way that really make makes it like pathological and it's not it's not a, it's not a disease it's not a syndrome it's syndrome it's it's when you just lose your confidence in certain situations and we'll get more into that but that's that's how i define it really briefly yeah I guess technically it's the idea that people walking into a situation, usually in a professional environment, is that they feel like they're not qualified to be there and that, you know, quote unquote, they're a fraud in what they're doing, <laughs> that whatever, usually it's high achieving um, professionals and that wherever they are, they got there by luck or circumstance um, and the people that they're surrounded by don't really understand that they don't know what they're doing. And so um, it does certainly, uh, obviously confidence being a component and also just it's, um, we then tend to sabotage ourselves if um, we have that feeling about us walking into a situation like that. What I noticed was that when you announced that I'm on a, we're a panel talking about the imposter syndrome, I all of a sudden had the feeling of the imposter syndrome. It is so <laughs> <Exactly>. slip, <laughs> slick and slippery and it can appear um, out of nowhere and it can appear almost about anything. It's just, uh, it's doubt, self-doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Hey, Ernie, I think, yeah, well, I think um, it's helpful to define what it isn't too. Yeah. Uh, and I think 
one of the areas that I, I think it shouldn't be considered is, is in that as, you know, as a, for example, new job learning curve, right? I don't think that should be imposter syndrome um, because I think that's something if you're switching a job, you've got new responsibilities, that piece of it. I, I think that element is, um, is really, really different um, you know, compared to somebody who has kind of a crushing kind of self-opinion that really negatively impacts how they, what they believe about themselves. Right. And then uh, the confidence piece, you know, as Ali said, and then um, how they might show up in their job to others and how they relate to others. So I think, um, I think we all need to give ourselves a little bit of self-compassion when we're doing um, essentially a lot of something new, right? Something where we're learning or stretching ourselves. And, and I think um, equating that with imposter syndrome, I think you just got to take a breath and give yourself some time to be able to adjust. You know? So I think that you know, there's this concept um, when you go from, you know, uh, this is, when you get in a new job and, and you're thinking about, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what I don't know, right? And there's this realization point you know, and I think in the coaching world, sometimes we might call that going from unconscious incompetence, right, to conscious incompetence, right? Saying, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, there's so much I don't know, right? And, and you just you have to you have to go through those phases to start feeling competent in your job and start giving yourself some time and, and expertise and, and experience and learning to be able to kind of get through those initial phases. So, yeah. Yeah, great, great perspective, Jim. <laughs> Our saboteurs aren't necessarily known for giving us a break, though, right? So we're no. trying to learn. We're trying to learn something, and we're struggling with it. It's hard, it's sometimes it is a challenge to give yourself a little bit of grace and room, right? And that's where the imposter imposter likes to stick his head in, right? Or right. somebody's going great, to come. Oh, go sorry, ahead, Dan. I was going to say go it ahead. comes from that great saying that you hear all the time: "Fake it till till you make it," right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's some ways. Uh, breaking down that imposter syndrome for you. I mean, I, I'm not a coach. Uh, I'm using this as free therapy uh, with all of you. Uh, <laughs> coaching is not I've, therapy. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, or fine free coaching. Um, I've reinvented my my career so many times. You know, I started as a, a scientist to a technologist, and now to Ted's point on a podcast. And I, I don't really know much about podcasts. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? You know, are can other people do it better? Um, and it really brings up that that chip away of you know how do I do this and is someone going to find out that I'm that that I really don't know what I'm doing and um, I've always taken both sides as a a, a level of um, uh, empowerment right so one if you're overconfident you might fail because you you just you don't look for the the, the dropouts there and uh, two if you're underconfident you're, you're kind of chipping away your own um, capabilities there, but mm-hmm. I use that and leverage it to learn, right? What don't I know? And how can I learn more a little bit about that? But yeah, I'm, I'm super interested to hear everybody's viewpoints here. Yeah. There's also yeah, another Dan, component. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, well, just Dan, you mentioned the comment, fake it till you make it. I think the imposter is in that phrase, right? Uh, the yep. fake it piece, right? You know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. A different saying would be kind of be vulnerable until you make it, right? Uh, might be another way to think about that. You know? yeah. yeah. And and Jim, that's so interesting. You glad you went first because I think there is another piece to this, which is a little bit more environmental, culture, systemic about when we show up in different situations. And so um, I love the be vulnerable until you make it. I think it's a question of us knowing when we're in an environment we're allowed to be vulnerable. I think a lot of times and overwhelmingly um, when we're trying to be our authentic selves, we're actually 
criticized for that. Um, that's not a workplace type of persona to have. And I think all of us kind of have bought into the idea that we bring our whole selves wherever we go, because that's where we're our greatest at our greatest. Mm -hmm. But I think that the vulnerability is one of the issues is how do we know who we can be vulnerable with and when? And some people I think are just better at knowing that than other people. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's power in, in articulating what you don't know to, to, to pile on the, the vulnerability element here um, because fo folks will, folks will come to you. Folks will recognize that nine times out of 10 vulnerability brings trust and engagement. Um, and, and you'll always have those folks that, that um, may not um, uh, recognize that as a way to, to collaborate. And, and that may be a, a warning sign that, that that's a culture you don't want to join. Um, right. if, if you're, you're not joining an organization that fosters that, you know, we know there's going to be a learning curve. We know there's a, a period of where, uh, we'll need you to, to, to understand the roles and responsibilities and everything you're coming into. Um, so, so it's, it's important to, to not sell yourself short either, um, to, to go to, to, let's say to, to over to, for that pendulum to swing too far in the vulnerability space, because you don't want to undersell yourself and everything you bring to the table either. Um, that, Hey, I, I have these wonderful abilities and I'm, I'm bringing myself to, into this organization. Uh, I just need to, to know who's who in the zoo and, and understand more of, of the role. Um, uh, but just give me some time to, to suss that out. Right. And, and that's okay. That has to be okay. When I was uh, thinking about the, what we're going to discuss today, I was, what is it that the listener or viewer might want to, how could we be of service to them? Right. Yeah. And I, what came to my mind was to really understand how detrimental this imposter syndrome can be for one person in their relationships and their career. And so kind of like, what are the triggers about it? What are the triggers for it? What behaviors represent that you're going through the imposter syndrome or the imposter is there, right? Going through yeah. the imposter syndrome, the imposter is there. And then, you know, what are some of those negative outcomes that you need to be aware of and how do we move that from a negative to a positive? Yeah, I, I love that because, um, you know, I was reading the article that Ern sent prior to this and one of their comments was, uh, you know, confidence doesn't equal competence, right? And I, I really love that because there's often this behavior with some people that their title or their degree level means they can't be wrong. You know, they just feel like, yeah. you know, I've gone to this point and it's, it's, there's no way I'm wrong. And I sort of use the the feeling of imposter syndrome as a, a skill, because to me, I always question, all right, are there other ways to look at this? Are there better ways? Do I need to learn a little bit more and do some research? And maybe that's a little scientist in me of always wants to do a little bit more research, but it, it helps me uh, progress in my own career. Yeah. Dana, I would love to build on that by also saying that there are systems in place in our workplaces and our work cultures where some people feel they can't be right. And that's based on, you know, sexism, heterosexism, racism, all of those systemic inequalities that are rooted in our workplace culture are often the reason why imposter syndrome, you know, appears for, for many people, especially women and especially women of uh, BIPOC individuals. 
Yeah. Well, well, and that's, that's a, a great point, Allie. And, and I know we, we compare notes coming into in advance of this, this uh, panel. Uh, so, so we have some meaty things to dig into and, and Jim had uh, referenced this HBR article uh, ex- that, that is right in that vein alley of, and, and the title of the article is, is stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. Uh, and, and I won't steal your thunder, Jim, if you want to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, no. And it, it, I think it, it, it really segues from what Ali was talking about, which is, um, organizations can have, um, I would say even toxic cultures, right. You know, yeah. that, you know, again, for women or, um, you know, uh, BIPOC individuals, essentially anybody who doesn't necessarily fit into, you know, what's probably considered the kind of dominant, you know, expectations, right, within that organization. And and I think uh, part of it gets to is we have to be really careful that um, that, that onus doesn't sit on the individual's shoulders, you know, that you have to look at the at the culture of the organization um, and how much bias is there. And, um, and, and really, I would say... Um, the leaders who might be listening to this call, you know, take some ownership, right, over what is the what is the culture, what is the, um, how are they um, being inclusive, right? When, you know, in the diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of um, forces that are out there, they're adding the the B letter, belonging, right? Uh, and I think there's there's so much about belonging and about being really wide and broad in how you define people's contributions, and, and as we talked about earlier. How can you allow people to be authentic in, in how they can show up and that uh, uh, authenticism, if there's a word like that, right? And how broad <laughs> is that, right? How, you know, how, how broad can you make it so that people really feel welcome in contributing? And I think that, you know, going back Ted to um, come to Ted earlier, I think those are some of the, I would say, environmental pieces that can contribute to more and more people having imposter syndrome, right, within an organization. And I think there's just as much responsibility on the the, the people who set that tone and set that culture um, for for essentially, yeah. you know, in, instituting that within people or, or essentially having a, having an environment that really fosters that, which is not really, really what you want to have happen. Right. And some of the ways I think environmentally or, or within an organization is just having um, mentorship type programs, mm-hmm. having um, clear understanding of um, what our performance metrics or what we are being evaluated on and promoted on. And are those things that are in line with who we are? A lot of times I think we reward um, we reward behaviors that may be contrary to showing your authentic self. And so, or the people that are rewarded maybe don't necessarily um, have those attributes. And then, and it's, there's a fear of showing some of that. And so I think there's a lot of things in an organization we can do. And then also individually, you know, uh, I'll just jump in. There's a few things I think, um, as I was thinking about it, that we could do. And and the first one I'll say is just show you, you know, no, remember your strengths as an individual, know why you're there, know how, yeah. you know, know who you are and what your characteristics and, and talents are independent of what environment you're in. So you are bringing this unique combination of skills and talents and um, capabilities wherever you go. And, and the more we remember that, the more obviously confidence we have, but also understanding of how we can use those um, talents in a way to do our job. Well, apologies for the dog that's barking behind me. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) um, Another one is kind of that mentorship, which is like phone a friend. And it's really very much about, you know, 
who can we reach out to in those situations? Because I think a lot of times we think it's only when we're starting a new job, but it becomes really insidious when we're already in a job and we feel like we no longer have the right to ask questions. We no longer, mm-hmm. we should know things. And yet we have a presentation or we're doing something and we feel even more vulnerable. So like reaching out to a trusted friend within an organization or even just a, a, a friend or a relative who knows us well is someone who can give, you know, that objective perspective on, you know, where do we really have shortcomings and where, you know, and where don't we? And then I think the final thing is like, um, for me, it's just connecting to your purpose or the meaning and the reason why you're putting yourself out there. And so if we're putting to ourselves out there, maybe it's to achieve a personal goal. We, we tie to that goal and say that whatever, whatever, fear we have now or whatever we're feeling now is worth it because of what we're achieving. And especially if that's a a higher purpose or a community purpose where it's for the good of others, then we feel like maybe we're not as important and our imposter syndrome doesn't get the best of us because, you know, becomes a little bit too egocentric at that point. So um, I think those are kind of just all of my thoughts as as I had been um, thinking about this stuff. Well, that's that's great, Elise, and and I think just just a, a an example, a cross section of of everything you just said is is a lot of us have shared uh, our self assessments with one another, mm-hmm. whether it's positive intelligence mm-hmm. or uh, enneagram or whatever. So we know one another well enough uh, to 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 see when we're not that's right uh, bringing our our true selves to something, yeah. or we're letting our saboteurs uh, overwhelm us, and we call one another out on it. We do that a lot. <laughs> um, so uh, it's so it's it's great to see that in action. And mm-hmm. and for me personally, it's it's been a transformative experience. And I wish everybody could could have the, the yeah. network that we've built because yeah. it's mm-hmm. uh, so so helpful. Yeah, I I think along those lines, Ernie, what comes up for me is when I think about working with clients. I think one of one of the things that um, I, is just inherent in all of the work I do with clients is building them up, you know, yeah. and not falsely so not, you know, telling people things because they they're paying me to. But yeah. but because I think that one of the foundational things that I see in coaching clients is is con- is lacking confidence. It may be not entirely, but it, at least on the issues that we're talking about and that we're working mm-hmm. on. And it's so easy, especially, you know, as friends, as individuals, as a coach to see the strengths in people. And at least you're trained in that. You know, we have keen eyes for like mm-hmm. looking at people's, you know, superpowers, whatever we want to call them. But um, I think that when when we, it comes to ourselves, um, ourselves as the six of us, ourselves as our the clients that we're working with, um, our colleagues, that it's sometimes so easy to go to the deficit level thinking rather than space thinking. Well, and our, our lizard brain is trained to go for problems, right? We, we're, we're wired to go negative because we want to look for problems to solve, to, to mm-hmm. you know, um, make sure that we don't get eaten by a tiger or a bear or whatever. So so we have to overcome that kind of primal instinct to, yeah. to, to look for danger everywhere. Um, so so, so I... I was going to just add it. No, that's fine. I I mean, in the workplace, again, I'm not a coach, but, you know, I I do run a team. And, you know, one of the things I always try to do when I I meet with my team individually, and I always try to start the meeting with, you know, what do you need? What do you want to discuss? You know, which is might might be a little contrary to, you know, 20, 30 years ago, where it's just like, you know, your team is there to serve you. And, you know, modern leaders should really be asking, you know, how can I help you? And where are you stuck? And how can we get past these? Servant leadership. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, And really help them out because... You know, I, I 
again, I work in technology. And so I, I kind of grab people from different sectors and they might not be familiar with the industry we're in. Um, and again, I see that as a positive because they're going to ask the right mm -hmm. questions. You know, they're going to, you know, not do the status quo of like, oh, this is just the way we've always done it. Well, why? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's, right. let's get past mm -hmm. that. Right. And so you need to dig in and really help your team and and let them be confident and bring out the questions or, you know, in that safe place of the one-on-ones the -on or as a team and really understand what they need and, and kind of foster that uh, skill level. Dan, I think one of the... I think one of the, the one of the most intuitive things how I assess people sometimes is the depth of the questions they ask. So here, imposter syndrome is often about being afraid to ask those questions for fearing like you don't know what you're talking about. Whereas as a leader, I'm looking at what are your questions? You know, tell me what your questions are. That's gonna that's gonna give me a sense of of somebody's intellect and depth of thinking. Oftentimes, Ted actually just started doing that here with us. Ted, I mean, you, you had said, how can we serve the people who are going to be listening to this, right? And that's a great example of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and in my one-on-one -on -one yeah. sessions that a couple, you know, as a coach, we're trying to identify the gap, right? And so some of these things I hear that gives me some clues is one is that they, um, in their job, in their job, they hold their cards too close to their, they hold their cards too close. They don't share enough. There's some vulnerability that needs to be there. Um, they lash out when they get corrected or something doesn't go their way. So maybe have a little bit of a eager a temper. Um, they're the avoidance, right? Have a client who uh, will show up late for meetings to a piece of it. And that's because there's some imposter syndrome on. Um, we all can do this too, right? Work on the wrong stuff, work on the stuff that is needs to be done, but not necessarily the most important because the important Safer. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Important stuff come, can challenge that. And yeah. the, that imposter, that feeling of not being worthy pops in. And then, um, <clears throat> and sometimes it'll be, you, you can see the other part of the ego pop up that they will be way too heavy on the self-promotion. And that is also a potentially a sign of that imposter. Right. And, and, and to, 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 in the vein of, of keeping in mind who our audience is and who we're trying to serve here through this panel. Uh, th thanks for bringing us back to, to center there, Ted, um, because I, I see hiring managers listening to this. I see leaders, I see job seekers. Um, and, and I think a, a key, key element here folks should be understanding is that you're in that job interview for a reason. You're in that role for a reason. Somebody saw something in you that they needed in their organization. So lean into that and and know that you may not have everything they need, but you have most of what they need. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so trust in that uh, and and um, don't don't be swayed by that doubt. Uh, the other question that popped up for me as we were talking here is around we, we talked about gender and race. Uh, being a factor in imposter syndrome. What about generational? Like as we look at folks who are boomers, Gen Gen X, Gen Y, Z, right? Uh, do, do we see that manifest across spectrum of of clients that we've worked with, or or folks who are out in in the job market? Is is that something that you'd say that is universal, or or is it confined to a certain kind of demographic segment? I mean, there's definitely ageism out there, right? I mean, yeah. as people get further in their careers, there's no way this young whippersnapper knows more than me. And I, I've, right. I've got the experience and I know what to do. And I, I feel like personally, that's a, 
that's a sad approach because technology is evolving so quickly. And yeah. my young kids are teaching me stuff about phones that I should know, you know, <laughs> and, but you know, they, they just grew up with it and it's just intuitive and natural to them. Yeah. And you know, that they don't have a different way of looking at it um, as, as we did. Right. So they're, they're just kind of evolving very quickly with these technologies or, you know, other factors in their life. But so I, I think we need to learn from both, both age generations. Yeah. And I'm saying it from the other side, being a little bit older and having some clients that yeah. are a little bit older that they are not technically native or savvy as the younger ones, but they have a wealth of experience. And how do we help them re rely on that rest, use that as a tool? Yeah. And I think or, that's yeah. so true. The going, it was, uh, um, as Jim had said, with the unconscious, you know, the unconscious competence to the conscious competence, I think there is kind of this learning curve that we all, we feel like we've gone through in our careers is that, or I feel I was uh, a lot smarter when I was in my twenties than I am <laughs> in my fifties. And I know that there's a whole generation out there coming up and that is probably perennial for generations. It also, as we've learned, the youngest generation now coming into working does have a certain tone to it that is different. And there is, and probably to Dan's point, like they do know more about um, technology and that is changing things so much that they have a right and believe and have been trained to be critical thinkers that they really, um, you know, do feel that. And so then the older people are kind of wondering where's our place to, you know, um, to Ted's point. And so I think we, we all have to just kind of acknowledge the other kind of the, the different people. Ernie, you said it so well. And I, I do believe like if we know ourselves really well, our own, you know, have our own confidence we're not threatened by others. And the more we yeah. learn about ourselves and about others, the more we understand how we can work together. But I do think that the generational thing, you know, it's real on all ends and maybe that's just human nature. I have a funny story to share about my own probably first encounter with uh, imposter syndrome, although I don't know that that was a term that I recognized back then. So uh, I was probably 30 or so and I was, uh, doing a lot of teaching and training in my work. And I was teaching a course on sexual health and I was hired to do a training for medical students. And I heard medical students and I'm thinking, I'm going to train doctors. Like, you know, <laughs> me and my MSW and my sexual health certification at the time, like I'm training doctors. Like, oh my, I mean, so we, so there's like an age and then there's a title status, right? probably some gender, you know, bias in there as well. And, and then I, I got there and I realized that like, I focused so much on the medical part that I forgot to focus on the medical school part. These were like <laughs> first year medical students, most of whom are fresh out of college. They were 23 years old, had some degree of information about sexual health, but I definitely stood in my confidence realizing I had an expertise here that they did not have. And it, so to this day, I think about that and I'm like, that was almost 20 years ago. And I think about, well, I put so much pressure and emphasis on the wrong thing and walked in mm -hmm. thinking, what do I have to offer? And quite frankly, like it was a lot for that particular audience, you know? So um, I just, I, I always, I always tell people about that when I'm helping them, you know, think through their own, their own feelings of potential. Yeah confidence. 
and how important that work is that you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a theme about um, I know the definition of humility, right? It's it's not being humble, it's not being meek, it's not being modest. It's that you know I think Brene Brown. Um, I was reading the mm -hmm. Atlas of the Heart book that she's got, right? Um, she defines it as something like um, being open to to new learning, but also having a kind of a really a balanced, healthy assessment of your strengths, um, your uh, imperfections, right, your areas for, for you to be, for, for you to develop and learn going forward. So it's both, right? It's that mm -hmm. element of both. And I think that gets back to, Ali, your, your comments earlier about confidence, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you know where you're strong and also where you want to learn uh, versus I'm weak here, right? right? I think there's there's a there's a I would call it a mindset or kind of a growth mindset, right? That can be yeah. really helpful to try to develop in yourself, right? You know, for mm -hmm. that uh, piece of it as well. So, mm -hmm. absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. And and I I forget the 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 way to rephrase that. Um, a lot of the fitness coaches do this, where you don't say I can't do that. It's like, well, I'm currently working towards this. Um, <laughs> so so reframing that in in your mind. Um, and, and another another trigger point for me as you were all sharing your, your thoughts is, is just around people in general. For the most part, everybody wants one another to succeed. Uh, and 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 the, the I'm a big fan of Ted Lasso. I don't know if everyone has watched Ted Lasso. But <laughs> one, one of the quotes yeah. from Ted Lasso is, all people are different people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and everybody brings something unique and important and valuable uh, uh, to the table. And it's just a matter of recognizing that and appreciating that. Um, just like you all did today. So I, I, I love yes. this conversation. Uh, I, I, we could probably talk for another two hours about this and about all the, the, the books we should read about this to learn more about it. But, um, this, this was fantastic. I got one last thought we'd like to share for. Yeah, go for it, Ted. Yeah. So the, the imposter is doubt, right? Yeah. Um, but the most dangerous, he is I say he because I'm talking about my imposter, right? Just he is most dangerous when he portrays himself as wise and knowledgeable. He tries to be, he tries to make you think that he is an ally, but he is not. He is a saboteur. And you need to have strategies to handle your saboteurs. Acknowledge it, move it back, move it back. That's that's the coach in me right there. Mm, I love, it. Right. love that, Ted. I love it. All right, so we'll take that as a final thought from Ted. Any final thoughts from other folks on the panel as as we uh, wrap up here? Well, I just want to mention a couple of books that have helped me along the yeah. way. And there's one book um, called Reach by uh, Andy Malinsky, who's a professor at Brandeis University. And then also um, I came across the book Chatter by Ethan Cross, who's um, I think professor at uh, University of Michigan. And um, reach is about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and chatter so importantly is how we address those saboteurs. And there's just some, and the, the chatter book has so many concrete, really real ways of trying to calm that voice inside of our heads that are telling us all those things um, that um, it just, for me, it just changed a lot in, in giving me some really tactical things that I can do. So I just wanted to share that because it was important to me. Fantastic. Thank you, Elise. And I would, yeah, I would add on to you know what both uh, Ted and Elise have talked about, which is as 
So knowing and understanding who your saboteurs are, what, what do their voices sound like, right? Um, what kind of urges and, and um, emotions kind of show up and, and how they how they can, again, um, take the shape of helping you, right? I think yeah. at the same time is, is identify, you know, what is that essence inside of yourself, right? What are those sages, right, that you can tap into and grow and, and really understand what do those sound like? What do those look like? And, um, and how do you amplify those uh, and be able to touch those metaphorically, right, or physically uh, yeah. so that you can, um, can essentially boost your confidence, right, and really kind of quiet some of those, those imposter uh, feelings and emotions. Awesome. I would, I would add that um, I've reframed the phrase good luck to you've got this. I always tell people you've got this. And um, there's that famous quote uh, that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. It's not about, I love it. it didn't just fall on your lap, that job that yeah. 5,000 other people applied to, right? You got it because you were prepared for the opportunity that presented itself. So go with that set, that, that degree of confidence. It's not good luck. It's you've got this. I love it. I'm going to steal that, Allie. <laughs> I'm 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 licensing it, so <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send the royalty check. But I love it. Thanks, Ali. Dan. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I was trying to think back, and you know, I I was fortunate enough to be part of an acquisition at one point in my career, and I found it really interesting that a lot of people during the acquisition were just afraid that they were going to get fired and laid off. Right, that was their immediate reaction. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. And to me, it just struck me as why you know you are literally the world expert at your job like you're the world expert on your day-to-day and what you do why are you afraid that someone else you know there, there's a there's an equal part of you somewhere else that's just going to come in and be able to do what you do and I, and I think people need to think of it that way right I mean yeah. it, it, I, I know there's titles and we all have similar skills but your experiences put you where you were right and your your day-to-day work or uh, lifestyle is what makes you unique. So just keep kind of thinking of it that way, right? You're the world expert at you and kind of go um, a little bit more confident into it. You can still ask questions, but have a little more confidence. Fantastic. Well, thank, thanks, Dan, for uh, 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 closing thoughts here. And, and this was actually your idea to, to have uh, this specific topic because of uh, the things you've seen out there talking to people as part of getting Jessel off the ground. So th- thanks for wrapping us up. Um, Believe it or not, we are at time. So I want to thank everyone, Ali, Elise, Jim, Ted, Dan, uh, for coming together this morning and talking about this very important topic. Um, I will post links for all of the, uh, uh, let's say, articles we mentioned, books we threw out, uh, ideas and concepts, and uh, we'll we'll get this uh, posted so folks can uh, enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you all listeners for for coming and and listening to this and have a fantastic day. Take care. Thanks, Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank Thank you. you.